Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode, Mike Dean has admitted he got it wrong on Christian Romero's hair pull and Mark Cucurella. Cheers. Really appreciate it, Mike. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. And I'm recording this intro on my own because the first five minutes of the show decided not to record the beauty of modern technology, so we are making it work. Um, but there is a full episode ahead, don't worry. But the intro, we'll, we'll, I'll go through it as normal. Um, so last week, Sam Kerr was nominated for the Ballon d'Or, and on Wednesday evening, she scored a goal showcasing exactly why she's arguably one of the best players in the world right now. Um, Chelsea women, they're over in America on a pre-season tour, and it was against Leon. where if you haven't seen the goal, listeners... Basically, Sam runs onto a beautiful weighted pass and then just dinks it over the Leon keeper. It's it's art, it's poetry, and I did ask the lads what the best Chelsea-related lob chip, whatever you want to call it, was. And they actually did go with my selection, which was good. Um, Berth did choose Frank Lampard's outside-the-box chip against Hull in 2008. Um, but Chris and I went with Frank Lampard again. I mean, can't, can't, uh, this Frank Lampard, legend, isn't he? But yes, his goal against Barcelona in 2006, um, if you don't remember that, it was a group stage game at the Camp Nou, and he gets the ball in the box, and he's pushed effectively to the goal line. Zambrotta, he's closing him down. There's nowhere to go, and surely he wouldn't, would he? Oh, he does. Um, from the impossible angle, he just chips it over Zambrotta and Valdez, into the goal, just magic, just magic. And the goal, obviously, against Hall, outside the box, It's that one is an absolute beauty. And we did touch on the Ramirez goal, but we tried to not touch on it too much because everyone has that as a favourite, and you can't blame them. I mean, the Ramirez against Barcelona goal again. Wow, I bet Barcelona are sick of us scoring outrageous goals against them. And as always, we kick off the show with another round of who is that former blue? And this former Blue, he played 15 games for the Blues. Uh, He's played for five clubs in the Championship and one club in Europe. He was part of the Euro Under-17 England side that won the 2010 Championship, so effectively the Under-17 Euros. And he's played with Manolo Gabbiadini, Danny Ings and Glenn Murray. Now, none of the lads had a clue at the start, I promise. You'll find that at the end of the quiz. Um, so, obviously with that, we're now heading into the newsroom to see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. So, time to grab yourself a refreshing drink as we check out the news that you may have missed. That's right, it's our weekly roundup in the Elevator of Chelsea News. Barcelona have been trying to persuade Serginho Dest to accept a move to Chelsea this window as they believe an offer is attainable. Chelsea would like to move to a new US-style policy with the young players by tying them down to a long-term contract of up to seven years. Chelsea had reached an agreement with Atletico Madrid for Marcus Llorente, but the player wanted to stay in Madrid. 
Tuckle has been fined £35,000 and handed a one-match ban, which is currently temporarily suspended. Chelsea are also in talks with Thomas Tuckle over a new contract until June 2026. And finally in the news, the FA have decided that Anthony Taylor will referee every single Chelsea game till the end of time. Of course, that's a joke. Um, I promise you, Berth reacted that quite calmly. <laughs> we, we, we touched on the Tuckle fallout from Spurs. And now we're all caught up to the point where we lost the recording. So here we are. It was it was actually out of character for the way he did it. And I think he does need to do that a bit more this year because the team need that sometimes. And the fans do, especially because we, we've all seen games, especially at home, where the crowd's gone a bit dead. And that does it can start from the manager. It has to come from the players mainly, but it, it can start with the manager as well. So I think I would like to see him do that a little bit more. And that's why I did really like his reaction in the Spurs game, to be fair. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally can see both sides of this. I mean, with both of you, I mean, I, I don't understand what's the point of a red card for Conte if he's not going to get a ban. I mean, I know the comments, but the whole point of a red card in general football is unless you it's still a game ban it obviously you get one ban or three game ban depending on violent conduct um before we came in there as well apparently chelsea according to david orstein have offered 80 million euros and marcus alonso for a bamiang um apparently we only want to invest literally 15 million fair play didn't cost barcelona anything in january uh otherwise we'll walk away do i believe we will yes <laughs> we seem to be very consistent with we'll walk away from stuff recently so That'd be interesting. I mean, a Bamiang in a front three. I mean, sure. Worked for Tuckle before. Bamiang scores goals. We said that last week. Yeah. Do you think it will get done? I mean, we've got to be careful here. We said Jules Kunde was done signed and we were celebrating the jersey. Which, well, I was. <laughs> no one else was. I was. But hmm. I'll be more interested, actually, if it doesn't get done. Because... If it if the deal if we walk away and Todd Bowley says that he doesn't want to invest any more than that in that deal and he walks away and then if form starts to suffer, mm. could that create a problem between Tuckle and Bowley? Because obviously Tuckle sees Aubameyang as someone who he needs to succeed. So it, it's a real difficult one from the owner's point of view. But I am I am with Bowley on this. I I, I, I don't know how Barcelona can be asking for upwards of 25 million for a player they paid nothing for and have had for six months and is the age that he is I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put any more money into it than than that either I think that's a great deal for Barcelona actually 15 million and, and, yeah, and getting Alonso as well. and he is 33 we have to remember and naturally of course Gerard Romero tweeted things are happening so yeah what does that mean I don't know oh <laughs> yeah one of them um Anyway, never say we don't listen to our listeners. You wanted a Cesare Cassade deep dive. And by the way, I'm never getting bored of saying his name. It just rolls off the tongue. It's a great, great name. And he might be listening because he was he was watching off Instagram stories this week. So, uh, hey, welcome. You'll be very much a big part of the Chelsea family. And we can't wait to see you in the first team. Uh, so deep dive. Right. He was born in Ravenna located in the north of Italy all the way back in 2003. Big year for Chelsea, that was. Um, he started out his development in the, the youth ranks of local side Sevilla. I hope I've said that right. And now defunct fallen giant Cesena. 
before moving to Inter Milan as a 15-year-old back in 2018, which instantly makes us all feel really old. Uh, it was then that he started representing Italy at youth level, appearing regularly for the Italian under-16s before rising through the ranks to the under-19s. And Cassaday caught the eye of the Inter Milan scouts and was also named in the Guardian's annual Next Generation series back in 2020. They do one each year. And during that season, that being the 2019-20 campaign, he scored scored 10, not bad, uh, in 15 appearances for the under-17s. And he seem, seamlessly stepped up at every level since. And I'll bring some examples in on this. Uh, scoring on his under-19s debut against Sampdoria in January of 2020. Uh, scored an amazing header, which was also the match winner against Wren in his youth league debut. And last season, he scored 14 and assisted four in 30 appearances in the Primavera Youth League. He's also named the division's best player. Developing, He's developed his game under the under-19s boss, Christian Chivu. Now, before I detail where he plays and the type of player he is, guys, what are your thoughts when you first heard about this potential deal and obviously when it went through? Um, for me, obviously, it's a really good signing for the future. Um, I think it's a very similar signing to the uh, Chukwamaker deal. Um, I think those two obviously ones to look at in the future. Um, it, it's a good deal to be done. Obviously, you can't say how good of a deal it's going to be now because you just don't know how a player is going to develop. Mm. Obviously, the, the signs are there that he's got all the attributes to be an unbelievable talent. Obviously, he's at Inter Milan, big club already. Come to us. Hasn't played for Inter Milan's first team, so you don't know how good he's going to be in that senior sort of ranking. But it, it, it's one to look up for the future in these sorts of signings, um, they always look good on paper, but you, you just never know. But like, obviously, like I said, he's got all the attributes to, uh, to succeed. I've seen comparisons to Lampard. Obviously, he's been compared to Verassi and Barella in Italy. Um, it, it could work out unbelievably well, um, but equally injuries and other sorts of things could, mm. could tell his career. So you just don't know at this point, but obviously on the surface, it, it looks like a relatively good deal and Hopefully, it works out to be better than uh, you can imagine. Yeah, oh, I fully agree. Uh, Chris, what what were your thoughts when you first heard about it? Uh, similar to Berth, um, my initial thought was, if he's this good, why hasn't he made an appearance for Inter's first team? But then when you think about it, they had Conte in charge, really, when he was at an age where you would consider bringing him into the first team. And Conte isn't massively one for using youth players, let's be honest. Mm. He prefers experienced players that have a better tactical understanding because that's how he needs his teams to play. So I think it kind of makes sense, actually, that he hasn't made an appearance in the in the inter-first team. He is a very, very good prospect. And I think my only concern with us would be, do we manage it properly? Because we've signed a lot of good young players like it's nothing new for the club really to be going out and signing some of the best young players mm. in Europe but we always mismanage them by sending them out on really bad loans or well just sending them out on loan for about 17 years and then selling them when they're 30 mm. you know what I mean it's I, I hope we manage him properly that, that that's my only thing I, I I've seen that the initial plan is to keep him in the youth team set up or to 
loan him to a Serie A club. Personally, I'd rather him stay in the youth team. So, I, I think one bad loan at this early stage and people will start to question whether he's ever going to be good enough, which is unfair considering he's only 19. So I just think a year with the with the youth academy, see how he develops, and then he can get more used to the English game then as well. And who knows, by next summer, he might be pushing for a first-team place if he develops that well. So yeah. that's how I'd rather do it. I mean, I certainly felt that that build for the future vibe when the deal was announced. I mean, I'm glad we got away with paying a little bit extra so we didn't have a buyback clause in because that always, for us, we, we really want buyback clauses. But you've got to remember, a player coming to Chelsea, if he becomes this next big superstar and Inter Milan, let's just say 30 million, but the player's clearly going to be 50, 60, 70 plus. You, you kind of feel a bit short-changed. But hey, that's the deal at the time. But hey, we paid a bit more, similar to Cucurella, where we paid a bit more, but Colwell didn't go permanently. Um, but yeah, this summer has been major youth focus. It really has. I mean, I'll list who we've brought in on that side. We've got Chukwemeka, Eddie Beach, Amari Hutchinson, Zach Sturge, Gabrielle Slanina, Shimera Mueka. And Tyler Dibbling, all highly praised, all highly sought after. And they, they are all equally top, top talents of varying ages. Now, <laughs> will they all be world class? Now, the odds would argue no. But you never know. You never, ever know. As Berth said, there are variables, injuries, potential loans, etc. that Chris touched on. You never know. They could all be. This class of 2022 could be world class. We, we don't know yet. We hope so. We don't know. You know, we have one of the best academies, one of the best coaching setups in European football. So from my point of view, for them to continue their education within the Cobham setup and at Chelsea, it's only going to benefit them and their careers. Even if they don't say make it at Chelsea, we've seen how players will go on to other clubs and succeed because their their basis of their education was at Cobham. And we should be proud of that. You know, we really should. Um in touching that Guardian Next Gen list, that's something to behold. I mean, some hit the highs, others eh, certainly don't. I mean, I'll take you back to 2016. This is a nice list. Um, you've got Donnarumma. We can all agree he's a top goalkeeper. Kai Havertz. Right. Yeah, Kai Havertz. Do you think he's, he's done all right, hasn't he? He certainly has. He yeah. certainly has. You, you know where I'm going with this. Some, you're thinking he's going to pull a name out that uh, we're all going to go, oh, uh, Malang Sar. Oh, dear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Mixed, mixed, we'll call that. But you just, you just never know. So we told you who Cesare Cassaday is. Now about the type of player he is. Now, Berth even said this earlier. But um, I'll use the description that was used by the Guardian journalist Nikki Bandini, and she put a combative and fearless midfielder. His physicality has marked him apart, even when playing above his own age group, and he has time yet to grow into his already over six foot frame. Now, I did some research of my own, and clearly Berth has as well, because we've got the same comparisons. Lampard, you know, and this was due to his goal scoring now, his ability to time his runs and arrive late in the penalty box. Lampard was the king of late runs, and he'd always be right, right place, right time, goal. Um, in Italy, he's been described as a Mezzala, which is namely a shut, shuttling number eight style player that contributes to the attack and plays on the right or left of the midfield three. 
Oh, that's convenient for us. Um, he's more advanced than a player like Jorginho, who he may well soon be playing alongside for club and country. Who knows? I mean, that'd be awesome. Um, now, look, we're going to be honest on this show. We always are. And uh, we can say that we have seen a lot of Cassidy, haven't we, guys? I mean, many goals, assists, his best moments. I mean, all from hours of studying into youth games, yeah? Yeah? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris just quietly going, I'm not falling for this. Um, <laughs> right, of course we haven't. We've, we've hit the YouTube and the Twitter threads to find the good, the bad and the ugly in terms of his highlights. The ugly being the dreadful drum and bass track that's usually accompanied to these kind of videos. Um, guys, from that footage, because that's how we've had to see him, and I'm sure many fans will, what, what were your impressions of what you saw? I mean, he likes a goal, don't he? He's a big, big player and he's only young. Um, I think the comparisons to Lampard can only be a good thing as well. I, I think when you're looking at sort of um, goal-scoring midfielders, I don't think there's actually ever been anyone better than Lampard and making those light runs into the box. So the fact that someone's comparing um, Cassidy to, to him, I just feel that like, that must be such a good thing. I've been watching a few clips of him. He's definitely got that sort of now sort of getting into the box at the right time. Um, really good in the air. Unbelievably good in the air from what I've seen. Um, and in the Premier League, I think you've got to have that physicality to you. And I think sometimes when you do buy players from Syria and you get them, they're not quite up to speed with the physicality of the, of, of the Prem. So I think that the fact that he is really good in the air and he's got this physical prowess about him, I think, again, that, that gives him all the attributes to succeed. So you sort of put that in with his goal-scoring abilities and making those light runs to the box. It it looks really good on paper and he looks good from the, the clips that you see and all the things that are said about him. He looks really good as all the makings of a star. Mm-hmm. But again, you sort of... <laughs> you compare that... So I'll compare that to someone who I watched on YouTube many years ago after not hearing much about him, not seeing him much, and Bakayoko. Um, <laughs> but I, from YouTube clips, I thought Bakayoko was going to be the next Yaya Toure, the next Patrick Vieira. Mm-hmm. Was was not was not anywhere near that. You know, he could barely play football for, for us for some reason. But hopefully, with Castell, you know, he's going he's gonna to be in an unbelievable training setup. Like I said, he has got the attributes to make it in the prem. So hopefully, as long as he doesn't get injured, gets his head right, it, it'll, it'll be a star in the prem. I do firmly believe he could be a star in the prem. Mm. What what were you thinking, Chris, when you you saw his best of highlights reel? Well, I think I think my tip for people when when you're watching YouTube highlights because Berth's absolutely right. You can you could literally take any professional footballer and make them look world class on YouTube. Yeah, um, you need to look at more subtle things that they do. So not necessarily just goals and assists. You need to look at things like movement and how they move with the ball and his dribbling out of tight spaces is really good, which is important mm. in the Premier League, as Kovacic has, uh, has proved. He, he reminded me a bit of of Kovacic in those tight spaces with how quick he can manipulate the ball and, and then suddenly finds himself in, in a lot of space when he was surrounded by players. And when, when he uh, attacks the box... Um, the, the Italian youth coordinator said he attacks the box better than anyone they've ever seen. And if you look at his goals, don't look at how he finishes it, but look at the space that he's in. And that was the, the key thing for me, that 
he was all of his goals inside the box. He was never marked by anyone. And that's not because the defenders wasn't marking him. It was because of how well he timed his runs into the box and how well he attacked a dangerous area. Uh, where all of his headers, completely unopposed. He was always in between two defenders, which is where you're taught to get goals from. That's a, a centre-forwards movement in between two defenders. Don't go and make it a battle. Even little cutback goals that he got, he was he always manages to find space in the box. And I think that was the biggest thing that stood out for me, the fact that, yes, he's getting all these goals and people will say it's only youth level, which it is, and we'll never know whether until he does it, that whether that will translate into senior football. But if you can move like he does and it, as intelligently as he does in the box, mm. you should get goals for good teams because you should have players who are able to find you in that space. And that doesn't change from youth football to senior football. You give a, you give a player with good technical ability like he's got space in the box, they'll score goals. So mm. I think... I've got a lot of hope for him just because he seems like a very intelligent footballer who isn't overly reliant on one single physical attribute like pace or strength. He's got those things, but he doesn't rely on them. He he seems like have a very good tactical understanding of the game. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, from what I saw, he can bloody head a ball into the back of the net. I mean, he has a leap yeah. on him. Wow. I'm not going to say Ronaldo. I'm not going there. But it's impressive. I, I was. I mean, he is a tall guy, but still, to, he's headed goals. I mean, yeah, really good in the air. If, really we, good. if we can sort out our corners, beating the first man, then we have a potential cheat code there in Casadei in the future, where it's just delivering is, those those balls into the box. You are right, but the thing is, is that Kai Havertz was like that for Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. We all we all said when we signed him that he was very good in the air, and that hasn't quite translated because but, I think. What, what Havertz does differently is Havertz is always marked against someone. And I think that's that, that's what my point is, that if you go and get marked by defenders, you can be really good in the air, but Premier League defenders are also really good in the air. So I think mm. you have to have that movement, which if you're scoring unopposed headers, it shows to me that you are you have more intelligent movement in the box. But to be, yeah. fair, to be fair, I actually do think Kai Havertz, one of his best traits is that he's really good in the air. But I think with heading and being good in the air, I don't think that's something you can fake on a YouTube video. You either are or you aren't. If mm. you look look good in the air on a YouTube yeah. video, the, the chances are you are really good in the air. It's yeah. not like, like if you saw a compilation of Timo Werner's goals and assists, you'd think he's a brilliant striker, brilliant finisher, brilliant assist maker. But actually, if you watch him in real life, he's got a touch of someone well, who's terrible taking a touch of the football, um, not very composed in front of goal um, and makes wrong decisions at the best of times. So like that you can sort of fake on a YouTube video, but being good in the air and being powerful, you just can't fake, I think, on a YouTube yeah. video. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm already getting ideas for like um, a deep dive into YouTube analysis videos where you're like, actually, let's calmly, on the uh, international break, I'm sure there's one coming up, there always is. Um, but... Another positive is runs. They they are just so well timed. I saw, and I I am not a fan of footballer comparisons. I know I know why we do them because then you can sort of get a rough idea of what to expect. But it just puts a big 
label on them and it's a lot of pressure i mean you have how often do we it's the next messi the next ronaldo or they put a country before messi it's this country's messi and you think that poor lad will never be able to just be the next whoever his name is and that's what i like for me i can see why so many have said lampard in casada i can truly see it for me i want casada to be the next casada not the next lampard because you know make their own story and I really hope it is at Chelsea. And I really hope that because clearly Todd Bowley has trusted what Neil Barth has been telling him about these youth players. And we're investing in our youth. And hopefully, you know, we've got something special brewing. We really have. Uh, others than that, he also doesn't get bullied off the ball when playing. So that strength is that's always important coming into the Premier League. We know we always go on about, oh, but can they? take on the uh, the Premier League, it's stronger, it's tougher. I think he could. I mean, again, he's 19, but I think the, the potential is there for him to be quite a good player. And whether we'll see him this year, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a difficult one. I don't think we will. That's, no, I don't, I don't think we will. But Development that's side, why, you think? Yeah, that's why I'd like to keep him in the youth team, though. So there is a chance, like... Mm. You know the odd Carabao Cup game. You can really see because th- there's not a lot of pressure on these players in those Carabao Cup games either, which I think is good to when you're first looking at them um, in the in sort of a first team environment. Um, yeah. You know, even early rounds of the FA Cup, if we're you know you get easier draws, you could get a, a, a bottom half League Two team where you think he's capable of coming in for 20 minutes at the end of the game because you, know, you don't have to play full games. It's just to see whether he can develop into a player who can cope with the English game. That's why I'd like to keep him in the youth team. So there is at least that chance that he could make a first team appearance. You send him out on loan, he could go to Serie A, do pretty well. But what have we learned there? Really, not not a lot because it's a completely different league. Yeah. Same with uh, Chuck Wemaker. You know, I mean, him staying around the youth team and maybe getting the occasional first team appearance will be better for him than going out on loan to the championship, for example. Yeah, exactly. And also, if Cassidy stays with us this season, then he has a chance of winning a FA Cup runners-up medal. Hey, we seem to always get a load of them now. That seems to be the new thing. Hey, come to Chelsea, you'll definitely get runners-up medal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, we've got some exciting young young players to uh, hopefully see break into the first team. So... I think we're going to take a look in the mailbag and see what's been sent in to us this week. Any questions? Ask the bridge. And this one, he, he loves it. You see, every time he hears me. that, it, it gets him. I, I just, I just can't prepare for it, and it gets me every single week. Every single week without fail. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, to be fair, Ollie did write in, but he did ask, "Would you take Casemiro?" And that deal's done, so he seems to be off to United. So it doesn't matter what we want. Because the players decide to go to Manchester. Um, I don't know whether it will work out at United. I wouldn't go there. But hey, whatever. No. Um, I just wouldn't because I can't see how Man United are going to be successful. That could be a hot take that ages dreadfully. But still, the question, uh, Caleb Seekins, he, he asked that, well, he said he's against the Aubameyang move to Chelsea because there are too many similarities with other signings that have failed for us. Um, but... Is there anything different about Aubameyang that could help him succeed at Chelsea or is he doomed to fail like so many others? Nah, see, I, I think, I mean, 
I can see what people just don't give them the number nine shirt, please don't give them that shirt. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I think I think Aubameyang would work for us. I, I can't tell you what. I just feel that we work well. It seems when you've got almost like a stopgap as a player, mm. um, and I, I think Aubameyang, he knows the Premier League, he knows Tuchel. Um, I think he'd work well in our system. Um, it'd be in the right place at the right time in the box. Yeah. He, he he would get goals. I, I don't see him not getting any goals. I know he was poor in the last bit of his spell at Arsenal, but I just think he would get goals for us and he'd be hungry to score and prove himself again in the Prem. To, to be fair, he probably just didn't want to be at Arsenal, if we're honest. We, no, we can I mean, see it on the All or Nothing no, documentary. Yeah, and look, so. and look that, that's fair enough. Like When people don't want to be somewhere, they do down tools and they do lose focus and that's fair enough. And I do think he'd be hungry when he, when he came to us. And mm. I know people say about his age and his wage and that, but... I think Aubameyang is just a goal scorer. It'll score wherever he goes. So I think he would really work for us. Yeah, I, I, I would as a stopgap. I, I don't see yeah, look, any reason not to take the move. We need that, we need score. Yeah, you know, he's he's not a he's you he, he don't want him to be our striker for the next four or five years because he can't and he won't be. But no. as a stopgap for this year and maybe next year. Oh, I think it'd be it's a perfect move for us. I really do. Depending on the wages and depending on how much you want to pay, I, I think it could be a really good bit of business. Chris, do you think do you think that he could succeed? Um, he could, but he could just as likely fail. It's it really is one of them because, like I've said on I've said to someone on Twitter, this exactly the same thing. Everything you say about Aubameyang, we said about Lukaku. Mm. Literally, everything is exactly the same. Proven Premier League goal scorer and all, all that. It 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 doesn't make a difference. See, um, I, I sorry to interrupt it, you. I disagree there because I think they're two totally different players and how they play. They are, but at the same time, Aubameyang doesn't press. Arsenal fans no. will tell you that Aubameyang does not press the ball at all. When when your team haven't got the ball, Aubameyang's not interested whatsoever. No, and. That was everyone's major criticism of Lukaku was he can't play in this system because he can't press. But now we want to sign someone who won't press the ball. The mm. only thing that that I think the difference is is that his relationship with Tuchel could be the reason why he succeeds. But if you watch the Tottenham game, there's only one chance in that Tottenham game that I thought Aubameyang would have finished that. And that was the Kai Havertz one off the Reese James Cross. That's the only chance I looked at and thought that is where Aubameyang would be to, to score. So we still have the, the problem of not not getting the ball into the right areas. And again, with Aubameyang, he is a good penalty box striker, but really he's an on-the-shoulder striker, very much like Timo Werner. That didn't work either because we don't play forward quickly. So if you look at a lot of his Arsenal goals, it was getting the ball forward to him quickly, normally where he was 1v1 against a defender and he'd come inside on his right foot and score. Or it'd be slid slid through balls in between full-back and centre-back and he'd run on and score. Mm. <sighs> we, don't play that. we don't play that way. If you put Aubameyang against a, a low block where he's surrounded by two centre-halves for the whole game, is he really going to do a lot? Does he have the physical attributes to cope with that? Mm. I'm not so sure. It's one of them where I wouldn't be against it 
because obviously if Tucker wants him and he thinks he can get something out of him, then I'm all for but, it because we need because we need someone. I don't think exactly, we can yeah. have, yeah. can't carry on with what we've got. But at the same time, he's just as likely to fail as he is succeed. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. I know we've agreed personal terms. It's just about that fee. And hey, Barcelona, you better do us a favour because we might give you some actual cash. You need that. Uh <laughs> Before we sign off, though, we're going to find out who that former blue is. So at the start, I said he played 15 games for us. Um, he's played for five clubs in the championship and one club in Europe. He was part of the under-17 England side that won the Euro 2010 championship. And he's played with Manolo Gabbiadini, Danny Ings and Glenn Murray. So I'll give you his career path so far. Um, there's a fair bit of loans here, so as you may imagine. Um, yeah, that, oh, that doesn't even narrow it down, does it? A lone player. Ooh, Chelsea, lone. Hmm. Um, okay, so he started at Chelsea. He then went on loan to Watford. Then on loan to Forest. You can buzz in whenever you get it, if you feel like. And then he went out on loan to Middlesbrough. Then he went out on loan again to Burnley. Then he went out on loan again to Reading. And then from Reading, he went to Naples. He was on loan at Napoli. Oh. Uh, oh, oh, we've got. Uh, uh, no, it's not. Uh, can you say the teams again, please? Right. Oh, I don't. Oh, I no, I, no, I, I, no. Right. It, I'll, gi- I'll give Berth his chance here. Yeah. Chelsea. And then the yeah. following are all on loan Watford, okay. Nottingham yeah. Forest, Middlesbrough. Burnley, Reading, Napoli. Yeah. That was his final loan. Okay. Okay, I think I think I might know it. I might know. It. I think I might know it. Right. Maybe. Chris, you've got your uh, Chris. Berth, you did chime in first. What? What? What are you thinking? Would I be right in saying that his brother plays for us now? Oh, what? I, I can't give you any clues when you push Okay, first. okay, okay. Is it, is it Nathaniel <laughs> Salabar? It is indeed. Yes. He then, he then moved on. to Watford and now he's at Fulham. Yes. Come yeah. on. He, he was the Chalibur brother. If you'd have told me there's going to be a Chalibur in the Chelsea first team, I would have picked him because he yeah. was the one to watch. And I was gutted when he went to Watford permanently and when he kept going on loan because he was reasonable at Napoli and I got a bit excited and it hasn't sadly worked out how we'd expect but hey he's made a good career of it so far so fair play to him that puts Berth jointly with Chris now on 12 for 12 can, can, I, just, so can I just ask by the way like, uh, at one point do we say though who wins uh, end of the calendar end, year and yeah calendar year but is there like a forfeit of any kind? I don't or is there, know. I mean, if you want to make it interesting, I mean, Berth, like, we're not you know. we're not doing more tattoo idea. Uh, I'm not getting uh, a nice amount of tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> oh damn! Oh no way! Oh man! Right, with that, we have come to the end of another episode about the Bridge Pod. We're going to be back on Monday. We've got a game to review. It's Leeds. Uh, Tuckle's going to be there, so that's good. Jesse Marsh won't be happy, as we said. Um, but hey, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. If you do not already follow us, just search at at the bridge pod. Um, so till Monday, that's us signing off.